This is Connected, episode 17. This week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Iconic, the ultimate tribute to Apple innovation and design. Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price and iSnap menus, an advanced system monitor for your Mac's menu bar. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as I always am, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. Good evening to you. Good evening to you, Federico, and good evening Thank to you. you, Stephen Hackett, as well. Hey, boys, what's up? How are you? <laughs> a little sick. I thought I would fine. just allow you to demo that so people didn't think that your voice had changed. No. I'm here with my friends, and I'm I'm ready to talk about some things. And after this, I'm going to go sleep for like 36 hours. It's great. That's I'm great. not sure that's like the right amount of sleep you're supposed to get. I'm well, pretty sure I mean, the Apple Health app cannot track that much sleep. I don't mm-hmm. think it can track any thing very well. No, they kind of they fixed it. In fact, uh, I was I was looking on Twitter today. Um, there's a new iOS 8.2 beta. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm just starting up with a, with a quick topic. Do you mind? No. So there's a new iOS 8.2 beta, and they added um, some new HealthKit stuff. I think like a new gender option. It's really a welcome change. Yeah. Good. Cool. I don't know. Stephen mentioning sleep made me made me think of HealthKit. It's been a while since we, <laughs> since we talked about yeah. it. What if I mention Rage? Do you also think about HealthKit? No. Can, the uh, same thing. I think about iCloud Drive, but that's another topic. <laughs> can HealthKit monitor your anger towards HealthKit? Well, it can, it can monitor your like your heart pressure. I think heart like, blood, blood pressure. pressure and, yeah. Heart, heart pressure. Heart, heart pressure. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> if I have uh, heart like pressure, pressure and, I need to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you probably need a physician. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Federico, you make my heart pressure go up. I know. That's all, all, always a problem. <laughs> I'm so excited for the follow-up. So, <laughs> sent in by stupidly awesome friend of the show, Alan, which I agreed I would call him, sending this in. Evernote wrote a blog post about context, um, and there was a couple of points. Now, I will read them, and then I will talk about them. So, is this advertising? Is one of the questions in their, in their frequently asked questions document. No, Evernote does not get paid based on the number of views or clicks. We have no financial incentive to show any articles or other content. We only show things that we think are useful to our users. We don't share user account information with our partners. And we allow users to determine which context sources they want to see or turn this feature off completely. How does Evernote make money from context? Evernote makes money by providing products and features end users are happy for. We think context is a powerful feature that will help people do their best, most informed work. It's one of several features that people enjoy when they sign up for Evernote Premium or Evernote Business. Obviously, we're talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a big discussion about Evernote context, and I said that we had no proof that they were paid for putting it in there. You guys um, potentially believed that they were paid. This article does kind of dance around a little bit, so like we yeah. can't be 100% sure. However, we do they all don't get paid only based proof. on number of views or clicks. We have no financial incentive to show any articles or other content, which kind of, that that one sounds better than the first. If they would have just said that, we have no financial incentive to show any articles or other content, I would have felt better about it. It does still seem a bit weird. However, I said, show me the proof. This is all the proof we have right now, is them saying that they do not get paid for it. So I will chalk this up as a win for me. Uh, and then yes, wait for you're the right. Up. And we were wrong. So I'm, when, I'm, I'm, hey, when I'm wrong, when I'm wrong, for me. I, I am gonna say that I'm no. Okay, when I'm wrong, I'm gonna say that I'm wrong. So you were right, Mike. Thanks. This is, I, I guess, good news. Um, just two points. 
if you if you allow me. Of course. Um, the first one is that I still think it's not really useful. I agree not, with that. Not, <laughs> not in this first version. Uh, it's pretty much useless for me. Uh, like I said, I would really like the ability to at least have some kind of control over the sources. Uh, not just, uh, I know that you can um, turn it off or uh, select specific sources. I would just like to, you know, to add any RSS feed. Um, the second point, um, I don't like that Evernote is... Um, I mean, I told the app to turn off the feature, and it got it got automatically turned on again. No, that's uh, with, bad. I don't know, displaying a message, so th- that was really um, like it's not the right thing to do. Uh, and, and I know for sh- I'm I'm one hundred percent sure that I turned off the feature, and today it was uh, it was turned on again, and I'm getting uh, basically once a day. I'm getting messages in the Evernote app for iOS to try the new work chat, oh, no, to try the crazy. new sharing features. Uh, and every time I dismiss these messages and I, and I keep getting these messages in the inbox when I'm opening search, and I don't know why they got so aggressive to like to tell me about all these features. I mean, they should at least look at my account and, and they, they can tell. You know, I've been using Evernote since 2009. Uh, I have a lot of notes in Evernote. I don't need uh, tips, you know, especially every day. So, yeah, hopefully that they will get better at managing these sort of messages. Yeah, Yeah. the work chat thing's driving me crazy. It definitely is still misguided. (laughs) You're finding useful, guys. I've never used work chat. I don't even know how to or why I would. I just talk Mm -hmm. to people outside of Evernote. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean it. I think part of our complaint is still valid. I, it does like the sentence about it's one of several features that people enjoy when they sign up for premium or business. Like it still seems misguided, and and to y'all's point, maybe not all that useful unless they give it some more options. And so it might not be as creepy as we had thought, but I think it still is like a, a warning sign that Evernote's uh, vision, I guess, for their product and what they provide their users is not in line with ours. And, you know, it's something that I use and rely on every day. You know, that makes me a little bit yeah. worried. So, yeah, I ha- I shared the same feeling. Uh, I was just uh, thinking about this for like the past couple of days the fact that there's no real alternative to Evernote, at least for, for the stuff that I want to do, like rich notes with uh, images and documents inside the notes the ability to clip content from Safari, the ability to append uh, rich text, so no plain text, to append rich text to the bottom of an existing note. Like all these features that I, I struggle to find a good alternative that is as uh, you know popular and supported as Evernote. Uh, so when they do this kind of stuff, it kind of makes me sad because I know that, that I, I need to, to stick with it. And yeah, um, basically I'm, I'm a little sad. But also I'm... Um, I'm not like super sad because I I trust Evernote to like there, I know there's people there who genuinely care so I'm I'm optimistic this time. I want to be in general I want to be more optimistic guys on this show. Okay. I feel like lately lately I've been a Debbie Downer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got called that on Twitter. Uh-huh. And there's that iTunes review, right? Yeah. yeah, there's the one iTunes review. We says, need to it's be an happier. hour of moaning. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be so from today on from today on only happy topics. Okay. Uh well 
then you're not going to like topic one. Only happy topic two. <laughs> well, well, then thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we had some uh, some follow up from uh, Jimmy on Twitter where he tried looking at the show notes on his Nintendo Wii and it didn't go very well. Um, I would like to point out before you guys talk about video games for half an hour, how hilariously ridiculous the Wii interface looks in this picture. Like, look at those buttons. What, what is happening here? If they weren't Anyways. that big, how would you see them? It's a TV. Come on. Well, it doesn't just... have to be like yeah, it does. ugly. Oh, well, so, ugly is a difference uh, between it's different to big. So, so how's the Wii browser? I imagine it's pretty terrible. I have a story, but if Mike wants to to share his thoughts, I'll let Mike go first. I've never used the Wii browser. <laughs> never? Never. You never. never had a Wii? Yeah, I just never used the browser. Why? Why? I mean, not, not even out of curiosity. Not that I can remember. Maybe I did, but I don't remember. No, you did. I'm pretty sure you did. Come on. Were you watching? <laughs> it was... Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you did. It's you like know? the browser so I, on your I, Kindle. <laughs> you have one, but it doesn't mean you should use it. So I have a story about the, the Wii browser. It's basically um, how I um, started using YouTube. Like, my first experience with YouTube was uh, on the Wii browser. I think it was back in 2007. Uh, I don't know when YouTube launched. Was it 2005 or 2006? Uh, I cannot remember. So, um... After high school, uh, I started um, going to university, or as Americans call it, uh, to college, I guess. And in my brief uh, experience there, like four months, um, I, ha- I, I, I shared this apartment with other friends, and we were not exactly uh, computer savvy back then, like we were... Like it was really different back then. We I, we all had Nokia phones. We didn't have smartphones. Uh, there was no concept of the, the like apps yet, uh, because the iPhone was just you know it just came out in the in the US and you know, it wasn't really popular in Italy. Um, so we we had dumb phones and we really we had computers of course, uh, but like pretty sure my friends only used them for like music and photos. Uh, so we wanted to go, we wanted, for some reason, I don't know why, we wanted to go to YouTube uh, one night and we wanted to have YouTube on a, on a big screen. And you got to understand this was really like a new experience for us because we never, we were like, I'm pretty sure only two of us, we were six people, um, only two of us knew what YouTube was. So we used the Wii, the Wii browser to to put youtube on the on the tv screen and we i remember we were really impressed by the fact that you could stream all these videos mm-hmm. like it's it's it sounds crazy that because youtube is now as obvious as google search right to me i mean it's it's like when you think of the web you think of google gmail youtube this kind of stuff and my first experience with this, with this, you know, with YouTube was on the Wii browser, which was terrible, really, really terrible, as the screenshots uh, suggest. And it's just a little, you know, a little, a little memory that I have when I, when I think of the Wii browser, which I think was based on Opera, by the way, because Nintendo has always done stuff with with the Opera browser. Yeah, because they had the Opera DS on the, on the DS, and I'm pretty sure the Wii uh, was also Opera based, I guess, with a custom interface, of course, because Nintendo really wanted to do the large buttons 
that you could activate with the you could point the the Wiimote at the buttons in the browser, and it, I, I'm pretty sure I remember it would recognize the pointer from the Wii Remote. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, but but also terrible, terrible and kind of cool, like a like a nice demo for like 20 minutes and that's it. Stephen, what's next in our follow up? So, a uh, friend of the internet, Greg Pierce, who we're going to get to uh, a little bit later, I think, has a new ringtone, and it is us. Uh, it was, I guess, you put it in the beginning of the show, didn't you? All of us groaning when yeah. I said today widgets. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Greg's had a hard time, and uh, I'm glad that we can help him through this time of pain and suffering. And uh, he has a link to the MP3 if you want to make it your ringtone. If you want to hear us be sad all the time. <laughs> Maybe your phone rings. I, sh- I should make it the, the sound effect when um, Matt Alexander sends me a text message. Just like... <sighs> I I always wanted to have... Um... A, a text ringtone uh, with Mike just saying superb with okay. his accent. Oh, man. Yeah. Would you like me to give you a clear, like a clear clip here so you can cut it out? Please. Yes. Okay. Superb. There See, go. I, I'm just going to use my MP3 editing editing app of choice mm-hmm. on my iPad. Pretty, I, I'm guessing mm. there's, there must be one. Well, um, you can use GarageBand to actually make you can, ringtones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can use GarageBand. That's a, that's on, a mic on, tip right there. That's a <laughs> done. No, you, you cannot use tips. You gotta you gotta have another brand. Okay, mic posit. <laughs> Stop. Okay, I'm I, I am fine with that. <laughs> okay, so we spoke uh, we spoke last week about the idea of an ideal social network, and we ended up talking a lot about App.net and sort of what was good about it. And there was a lot of good uh, in that App.net little moment of time. But one that I didn't think about until the other day was Path. And, you know, we'll get to some of it in a second, but, you know, Path is, it's app-based. I don't know if they have a web interface you can do much with. And you can, it's sort of like a combination of like Foursquare. You can check in places. You can edit and post photos, sort of like Instagram. You can send direct messages. They've kind of broken it off to a separate app like Facebook and Facebook Messenger. Mm Mm-hmm. And all this kind of gets built into a timeline. So I can scroll back and I can see places, you know, like where Mike checked in a coffee shop. I can see Federico's picture of his coffee. You know, I can see, uh, you know, Mount Alexander, a picture of a mannequin. It kind of is all like one mashed up timeline. And uh, Path, the app, at least, I've re-downloaded it this week and logged in. I've been playing with it. The app is really nice. And I think those guys do a really good job at, like, the experience of using the network, which is a big big deal and, and, you know, talking with Twitter apps versus API and stuff. You know, Path, like, it is, everything's an app. You can't go out and, like, build your own Path app. Um, I think what hurt Path, they've kind of got a a little bit of a spotted past. Uh, There's two links in the show notes about uh, them kind of doing some creepy things with uh, address book information, and I I think that's all in the past. I couldn't find anything recent, but I think it hurt their reputation, at least amongst people like us who you know, are going to be uh, sort of more critical of things like that. Um, well, it also started off as a different type of social network as well. It had the Donbar number, 150 people restriction on right. the amount of people that could be in your oh, I'd forgotten contacts. about that. Is that still in place? No, they've lifted that now. Uh, I also think you gotta you got to have two phones to use Path. I did hear that, actually. Mm. I, think, I think now it's you have one phone which has 
uh, like the the main sort of timeline, and you have another phone which has or the talk. DM app, the yeah. talk app. And I think you use yeah. one in the daytime, one in the nighttime, but I can't remember how that works. Yeah. Yeah, so you're yeah. always on the on the on the never on the defense. Yeah, always on the offense. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you can find those links in the show notes. Federico, if someone were interested yes. in the show notes, where could they acquire them? Are you sure you want to do this? I'm always sure. Uh, le show notes le potete trovare uh, usando il vostro browser. Andate su uh, sul web. E digitate uh, www.relay.fm slash live e lì uh, troverete la diretta ma non dovete andare lì dovete andare su relay.fm slash connected slash uh, 17 che è il numero della puntata e, e lì troverete tutte le show notes con tutti i link con tutte le cose che dicono Mike e Steven che in questo momento non stanno capendo quello che sto dicendo e, <ride> e, quindi, va, <ride> e quindi va bene così Le trovate lì. Thanks. Is this okay? Oh, wait, no, thank you. Thank you. I, I think that that's added uh, a layer of understanding for people that may not have got it before. Yeah, I, yeah, I like, want to take Connected International, you know? Mm-hmm. Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week's episode of Connected, I'm doing this part in English, is brought to you by iStat Menus from Bajango. iStat Menus is an advanced system monitor for your Mac's menu bar. It lets you keep an eye on pretty much every aspect of your Mac's hardware, including CPU, GPU, memory, disk usage, and activity, networking, battery, temperatures, fans, and oh so much more. The new iStat Menus 5 supports Yosemite's dark menu bar, as well as many new Yosemite and Maverick-specific features like memory pressure, like heart pressure, but for your memory, and compressed memory. iStat Menus also features a new time menu intended to replace the standard OS X time menu bar item. It includes loads of info, including a calendar, calendar events, sunrise, sunset, and world clock for over 120,000 cities. This is one of the main reasons that I love and use iStat Menus, as I can keep it all in my menu bar. I'm able to enter in the cities of all of my, for my co-hosts, so I can see them all as well as and see where they are in their day, as well as enable multiple calendars so I can keep a check on the show broadcasting times all in one place. In this little guy called Federico Vitici's review of iStep Menus, he says, It's always there in my Max menu bar, and it's one of my must-have apps that I mention every year. You can't argue with Federico. Apparently he knows what he's talking about, and surely you must trust his opinion by now. Federico, would you have anything you'd like to add about iStep Menus 5? It's really... Uh, it's really... Uh... I think that the, like the first app that I install on a, every time, like every year when I when I download a new version of iOS 10, uh, Django they usually have an, an updated version of iStat menus. So th- like for the past four years, uh, I've always found a new version of iStat menus for a new version on o- of iOS 10. Um, I use it for like my two. I have two main reasons. One is the battery menu they have. Uh, and the other is the custom clock menu. And I I really, really like the clock menu because I need to know quickly uh, time zones for, you know, all the people that I work with, like you guys and uh, the Mac Stories team. So iSat Menus lets you customize the, the clock, the system clock. It lets you put on um, a custom, uh, like a drop down, and you can have a calendar, you can have your calendar events, you can have time zones, which is awesome for me, and you don't have to have like 12 icons for all this stuff. It's just one icon and you click the icon and there's a menu. There's a bunch of other things, but really... Um, just for the battery and the menu for and the clock menu for me it's absolutely worth it and 
you can go crazy with the CPU, the all the other kinds of stuff that I don't understand. Uh, but it's really, really nice. Yeah. Stephen, do you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a tool that even as someone who is a power user of OS ten, it puts really nice system information just a glance away. And so I don't have to run activity monitor. If I'm concerned about something, I can just look up in the menu bar and uh, it's great. You should check it out. If you do want to check it out, you want to head over to Bajango right now, bajango.com. This is something you should definitely have installed. You can get a 14-day free trial of iStat Menus 5 right now. And when you decide to buy, listeners of this show can get a huge 25% off by using the coupon code CONNECTED. Thank you so much to Bajango for supporting this show and Relay FM. So what's up on the docket today? Uh, so that I'm not going to read the topic name because it's obscene. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's kind of a list of links uh, at this point in the uh, show notes about the App Store. And Marco uh, block quoted um, this, this post from a developer uh, of Launcher, which is this nice little app that Apple ended up uh, rejecting. And so basically what, what these developers were told is that their app was in uncharted territory and that Apple felt they needed to make an example of it so other developers would not follow them on this new path of functionality. So basically making an example out of a popular app to dissuade other developers from doing things that are sort of, you know, not clearly defined within the rules of the App Store, which, of course, is a ridiculous thing to say to a developer and and bad for the ecosystem. I'm sure we will get into that. Um, and it, you know, if you look over the last month or so, you know, you had PCALC, uh, you have drafts, which has been told, you know, Greg's been told all sorts of crazy things about his today widget. And, you know, we have widgets like Evernotes, which we we're talking about earlier, you know, they have a, a today widget where you can go in and launch the app and, and do some things. And that is seemingly against the rules if drafts can't do it. And there's a lot of like weird, uh, someone in the chat room is calling an Apple like things kind of going on around this. And if this is true, uh, then it's really pretty unseemly. Well, uh, Mark calls it disgraceful. <laughs> yeah. It depends what you consider as an Apple though. Right. I mean, cause it's heavily controlling, which is not an Apple. Like, yeah. It's not, you know, it's definitely the Apple that we have known. Um, I think that maybe we were expected it to be a different Apple now, but it doesn't look like that's the case. Um, yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Where you know Apple is controlling the thing, and Apple has. I mean, historically in the App Store, like there's been gray area, and they go back and forth, and you know they allow certain things for a time, and then it you know it gets out of hand, and they reel it back, and it just seems like maybe it's because I would say it opens up all these new powerful options, but it seems like it's getting sort of more out of hand currently than it has in the past. I don't know, guys. I mean, uh, I've been uh, thinking about this, uh, especially the issue with um, panic and and transmit and uh, uploading files to iCloud Drive. So basically, Apple told um, that transmit uh, couldn't uh, upload files downloaded uh, from outside the app to iCloud Drive, that only files created inside Transmit uh, can be uploaded to 
and saved to iCloud Drive. So, like, what's what's the motivation here? What's the problem? Because I know that Apple is controlling, and that's okay. Uh, I mean, we're we're pretty much used to that at this point. And I know that that also, you know, uh, there are gray areas in the in the App Store. And sometimes you launch a new technology and you don't know what people are going to do with it. So you got to basically judge on a, on a case-by-case basis sometimes. Um, so in this specific case, of, of uh, because we talked about the widgets before and we theorized that Apple doesn't want shortcuts to replicate the home screen and all that kind of stuff. Now, in this case, um, what's the problem? The problem is that Apple doesn't want you to save any kind of file to iCloud Drive. That, that is exactly uh, the opposite of the marketing message on the iCloud Drive website, which specifically says any kind of file on any device. So if Apple didn't, didn't think of the possibility of saving any file to iCloud Drive uh, on iOS, uh, that seems pretty much absurd uh, because you can't save any kind of file to to iCloud Drive on the Mac. You can just use drag and drop. Uh, yep. So it, it appears to me that the only possible explanation is that there's no... Like, there, there was an app reviewer uh, at Apple. Uh, there are two different teams, app review and app store editorial. Um, and this this guy, I guess, uh, stumbled across this feature and said, no, you cannot download files from servers and FTP stuff. This stuff seems scary. And you cannot upload these kind of files to iCloud Drive. Because it's, it, it, I'm saying that the, the, the issue here is, is a communication problem because there's no technical or, uh, you know, uh, ideological explanation for this kind of feature being removed. So in my opinion, and this is also the case with widgets, with pcalc, with drafts, with, uh, with launcher. No, maybe not with launcher because I can kind of understand that. Uh, but there's an issue with, you know, communication between app review, between the App Store editorial team. Because you cannot possibly approve an app, request marketing material, promote an app on Twitter, on the App Store, on Facebook, on all these different channels. So you're putting your official Apple stamp of approval on an app, and then you ask the developer to remove features from it. Because if you're unhappy with some features, you don't promote the app entirely, you know? Especially when the app shows screenshots of those features. So I I think there's a communication problem between people here. I don't know the extent. And that's what I want to discuss with you guys. I don't know the extent of this issue because maybe it's just a small communication problem, right? Because if, uh, especially on Twitter this week, a lot of people are talking about this, you know, this latest rejections and everybody's going like, there's a major problem at Apple and, you know, Apple is imploding and we need to, to, to destroy App Review and, you know, rebuild it from the ground up. Uh, I don't know the extent of this issue and probably nobody outside of Apple knows. Well, it seems to be, we, we, you know, we, we have always had these problems in the mm-hmm. past. You know, they, they, we, we spoke about it last week. You can go back in history and find them. But right now, it seems like there is more of this going on than ever. And I don't think it's just a case of, oh, we have a new thing. We have some new things. Extensions of widgets are new. Yes, but every version of iOS brings with it some new thing, right? You know, whether it was like the multitasking stuff or, I don't know, a whole whole new design language and things like that. Like there are always new ways and new things to reject people over. But it seems like for some reason, 
it's happening more now. And the main problem isn't that apps are being rejected. They're being rejected after already being accepted. Or they're being like, developers are just being contacted, like you've got 72 hours to change your app, we're pulling it from the store. Like, and, and that's happening more and more. And as we said last week, like the other problem being that it's it's the it's the clearly bad communication between editorial and review. Like, because a lot of the apps that are being pulled right now are high profile. They're so high profile that Apple agrees and features them. Like, Greg Pierce, the developer of Drafts, so he has had another rejection after submitting a fix which simplified the widget, like the, the notification center widget, saying that now he's been rejected because his widget doesn't do enough. <laughs> That's messed up. I mean, come on. So now, like, he's just said he's pulling it. Like, there's not going to be a, yeah. there's not gonna be a widget anymore, yeah. which is yeah. bad for Apple. Yeah, and especially, and, and it, I mean, you see why it's more prone to happen with, like, new features. But Apple needs developers to be on board with these new tools in iOS 8. And for someone, you know, Drafts is a big app to a lot of people. It's not, you know, it's not like Evernote, but it's it's popular in its certain crowd uh it's it's not like if i was a developer looking at this like thinking about adding a today widget i would think seriously about it before diving into anything remotely like near the edge case just in case like you put hours and time and money into this and then apple says nope you know too bad i think um sorry go on steven i said to back up a second though like talking about the app review team versus editorial in, in the app store. Um, it was on someone's podcast this week. Somebody made the point of like app review is a very quick process. Like it's not like these people are spending hours with your app. They're spending minutes with it. And so it's possible that the stuff is getting in the app store that would not be approved if Apple was paying closer attention. And then it's out there and then they're like, Oh no, no, who, you know, that slipped through, pull it back. And it, I'm not saying burn app review to the ground like some people are, but I do think there is a case to be made that maybe more time needs to be spent with these things. And, and like, it is better, I would think, not being a developer, but I would think it would be better to be rejected off the bat than have a feature out there and your users getting used to it and then that feature being pulled. That seems like a worse situation, not only for the developer, but for Apple itself. So one thing that I'm thinking about with this especially you know if i was a developer and looking at the types of things that are having problems at the moment i would not because of this i would not want to be developing for the watch right now which i think is more of a significant issue for apple because they're already asking a big thing of developers can you develop some stuff considering you haven't got a a device to test it on so we have some things to give out on day one but a lot of the things that are having problems right now are extensions and widgets in app review and that is like exactly what the watch is based on and yeah, like, I mean, if to, you're to, saying that it's, it's complex, like, you know, you're having too many buttons, too much information, like, in what's already there, like, it's even worse when it comes to the watch. Uh, but on the on the flip side of that coin, though, Apple has been, from my understanding, pretty clear in the documentation of what will be allowed on the watch. More clear than what they have said for iOS itself. And the watch just does a lot less. There's less opportunity for developers to kind of go crazy. But uh, I get what you're saying, and I definitely, like, looking at, like, it's very clear now, right, that extensions in iOS 8 were built with the watch in mind. Like, it, it is a little, it gives me a little pause to think about 
you know, like what if what if this stuff just isn't there on day one for the watch the way it could have been otherwise? Like that's not good for for Apple's new, pro, you know, I'm sure what Tim Cook will call their flagship product right now. Like they have a ton of energy and money and like excitement, like Tim Cook fist pumping gif of the watch, and they need people on board. James Thompson in the chat room, the developer of Peacock, he actually did say this a moment ago that he is uh, concerned about the watch, like that he's looking to do something for it for Peacock, he said, but who knows what will be allowed. So he's considering it, but it is like a a fear point at the moment because it feels like, that, you know, I'm paraphrasing for him now, like it feels like that there is a, a lot of uncertainty around a lot of these things. So it's, yeah. you know, it, it is a, it's a... It's a peculiar time. I mean, a lot. I've seen people uh, suggesting that potentially the the hammer's coming down on these things now because of the watch, right? So they don't want people getting away with themselves over the widgets. But it just it seems like a rough. It just seems like the the, the communication that was supposed to inherently have been there with joining the teams up is not there. It's um, just the, the inconsistency, you know. Yeah, it's inconsistent. Because they because they they first approve and then they reject and then while they are rejecting some apps or they're you know going after some developer, uh, at the same time, at the very same time, they they are approving other apps that either do the same thing or do even worse, depending on whether you you think it's worse or better. Uh, it's just they they don't have a defined set of rules, you know. Because if they only said, "Look, it's it's in the it's in the in this web page, you can find all our rules, and they are uh, written down right. in this page, and you can read them, and whatever, we don't care. These are the rules." Uh, it's just that you are running running software against a platform with no defined rules at this point. And what I wanted to ask you guys is. Does it even make sense to have rules that go into the specifics at this point? Because iOS is not so like when the when the App Store review guidelines were first uh, published, iOS was a relatively simple platform, right? I mean, I, I, iOS apps couldn't be as complex and as potentially um, you know uh, powerful as they are today with iOS eight. Uh, does it even make sense to have rules organized in categories and sections that go into the specifics, such as, oh, you can create widgets with buttons, but only if the buttons take you to a section of an app. I, I, I'm, I'm saying it's so... There are so many ramifications with iOS today that making rules and writing down the rules, is, it's like writing the constitution of a, of a, of a country. You yeah. cannot go into every specific, every well, no. possible case. Of course not, but it feels like if you're going to have, I assume, a set of rules internally that we don't see, that maybe they need oh, to try Oh, you got to say those. Yeah, because you'd expect that there are some guidelines to these rejections, right? You'd like to think that a rejection needs to have a guideline cited. Um, and if the guidelines, if they're just using the same guidelines that everybody else sees, we already know that they're not clear enough in some instances. So maybe there need to, maybe there needs to be more rewriting, and I think just fundamentally, if if you're in a situation where you have a gatekeeper, and you have people putting time and money into creating something for the gatekeeper to say yes or no, I think you need to have more. It doesn't need to be rules, but just stronger guidelines. There just needs. I think there needs to be stronger guidelines than the ones that currently exist, because if things are getting rejected at a high rate, then 
I mean, I don't know what those rates are, right? I mean, and as well, like you see things that should be rejected but are in the store. It feels yeah. like there needs to be stronger guidelines. Like in some instances, Apple aren't enforcing the guidelines strong enough. Mm-hmm. which is really peculiar, right? Because you, you see these junk apps in the app store and you wonder how they ever get there. Like you look at the whole Flappy Bird thing, like 95% of the apps that were in the app store at that point in time shouldn't have been there. Like, so you just wonder like, what is what is, what is is the right thing and the wrong thing? Like, I agree with you. Do you want to write out a million rules? No, probably not because it makes it worse, not better. But if there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of people that are unsure about what's going on, Maybe mm-hmm. in certain areas there needs to be more rules or more communication in yeah. a public forum so people yeah. can see the conversations that occur so they can understand like from other people. Like there should be a developer forum where these questions can be asked there and should answered be, openly. There should be a developer blog like they're doing with uh, with Swift. They have a blog now. Yeah, I think, I, I think just keep it, keep, it, keep it in the developer center though, you know? Yeah. Some kind of yeah. yeah public forum to discuss this kind of stuff, and also I think the the basic problem there should be at least better communication with you know the people that uh, pick apps for uh, editorial promotions and the people who approve apps because they like that what what it seems like from the outside is that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and and that's bad of course but also my my last question for you is uh, does this matter? for normal people because we're we're so upset about you know uh, transmit losing an, a feature which is a button really and drafts losing uh, the widget and pcalc going through all this stuff but do like is apple doing this because they know that people outside of our circle don't care like they're somehow justified to do this kind of stuff because they know that it doesn't doesn't reach my mother or my father or you know my friends but it depends on the app. Like, and I, don't, I don't know if that's so much about audience as it is just that Apple's in charge. Selling iPhones. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it's that, that it's Apple's hardware, it's Apple's platform, and maybe they believe, to play devil's advocate, that they can make some developers upset, that they can push around their weight because they they are they own the whole stack, right? The developers are completely dependent on Apple for APIs, for store, for distribution, for payment. And maybe Apple's like, you know what? We're going to do what we want to do. And so be it. You got, you got to wonder if, if it's really true when uh, the, the blog post from the guy that you mentioned before, when the, we, we need to figure out how to pronounce his name. Um, he says that basically a app review knows when they want to make a, make a big, uh, you know, uh, get into the news basically with uh, popular uh, with rejections of popular apps. You gotta wonder if that's really true or not. If it's not true, when you do see an app like Pcalc, you know, from a developer with, with more than 20, 20 years of experience, when you get that kind of app, don't you don't you think that maybe you want to talk to a manager or to a supervisor? Uh, I mean, if if you don't want to get into the tech blogs talking about this rejection. Uh, why don't you? How is it possible that it get that it gets to this point? So the argument that that Apple wants this kind of reaction, it's not completely absurd, but also it's so strange if it's true. I really don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely problematic, and yeah. I mean I really think that so much of it is that the the store is just really big, and these teams aren't big enough, and there's not. To oh, your yeah. point, not enough internal communication. 
the the tragedy is that like good hardworking men and women get caught like in that crossfire of having their work you know rejected or say hey you got to undo all this or you're going to be in trouble but you know people outside of our community don't like don't see it because they're not using these apps at the cutting edge you know like the facebook app is not going to get rejected you know how better communication would be possible within apple with stuff like the draft widget <laughs> it would really simplify the act of emailing people you're uh, saving you're notes building workflows for apple employees now that like should it. be that should be that's a possible idea you see making making workflows for for big companies yeah you could be a workflow guru consultant ninja. a workflow ninja yeah i was just saying ninja thanks steven yeah I so like yeah that. we don't know we don't know that's the conclusion right we don't know so yeah it it's we, uh, we are sad again this is this is not possible we let's talk about something happy what, what do we okay. what do we have about happy happiness this week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Harrys.com. In case you hadn't already noticed, it's the holiday season, and that means it's gift buying time. We all know what it can be like at this time of year. There's hundreds of people to buy gifts for and little time to actually go out and look for things. If you're looking for a cool gift to to tell somebody to buy this year or you want to you're stuck finding something to buy for someone important in your life, you should look no further than Harry's. Harry's Winter Winston set is only $30 for a sleek chrome razor, three high-quality blades, their amazing foaming shave gel or shaving cream. It's already wrapped by them, and shipping is always th- free. Now, thought three, it's free. It's totally free of an F. This is the set that I have myself. I love it. I think it, I love the, the chrome handle. I think it looks super nice. Um, makes me feel like a grown-up when I use it to shave. And their stuff feels really good on my skin. They're, Harry's blades are really high quality. They're, I love the foaming shave gel. Um, it gets a, a real good lava going. I'm a big fan. You can get $5 off this set by using the code CONNECTEDHOLIDAY, or one word. But this is a special, special holiday offer. Harry's want to give all of you guys this $5 off. Even the awesome ones amongst you who are already Harry's customers can take advantage of this. You can get the razor, three quality blades, and a tube of their foaming shave gel or shave cream for just $25. Bucks. Harry's is helping you to avoid the lines at the mall. Doesn't You don't have to worry about pushing and shoving a big crowd if you want to buy a gift, but maybe you want it for yourself as well and you could leave it at your folks' house when you're there for the holidays and then you always have a great Harry's shave waiting for you whenever you visit. This is an awesome deal from an awesome company. Harry's was started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men and they do this. Harry's is also a company that gives back. They donate 1% of sales and volunteer 1% of all employees' time with their community partner, City Year. So when you give someone a Harry's product at Christmas, you also get that special holiday feeling for doing something good. So go right now to harrys.com and get $5 off a Winter Winston set with the code CONNECTEDHOLIDAY. Don't forget, this special holiday offer is available to all customers new and old. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter coupon code CONNECTEDHOLIDAY at checkout. That's all one word, Connected Holiday. Make sure that you get an order and quickly get that order in fast to make sure you get it in before the holidays. That's Harry's, a shave good enough to gift. Thank you so much to harrys.com for supporting this show and all of Real FM. What are you getting me for Christmas, Mike? A Twitter client. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've been I've been developing Titi Tweet uh, <laughs> for a few months now. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that Swift. I really like it. I am using Which Swift. Language? Yep, so uh-huh. it runs so it runs nice and fast for you. Yep. 
Uh-huh. Oh. That should really be your, your summary of Swift. It yeah. runs nice yeah, and fast. Runs fast. Runs nice and, nice and okay. fast. <laughs> so if the hang on, before we talk about the real topic, if there was a Teachy Twitter app, I think that you would open the app and it's a grid and there's a, a picture world. of pasta, there's a picture of espresso, there's a picture of an iPad, and then there's a picture of a question mark. Mm-hmm. And you tap the buttons, and a tweet goes out. It's it's pre-populated. A tweet goes out about one of those items. So if you hit the iPad, something about working on the iPad, pasta, espresso. But if you hit the question mark, uh-huh. it it searches Giphy at ran- randomly pulling from the dictionary and posts that. And I, I, I frankly think that podcasting is over, and we should develop this app full-time. Yeah, I, I don't know why so, we're still waiting around here. That sounds yeah, like the new, a- the new tweet deck. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many enterprise opportunities with that idea. I know I really think that uh we could go to Apple and IBM and their new partnership and really just uh mm-hmm. do this. No, I just I just want to to imagine Mike making apps, like writing code and, and you know being upset that stuff doesn't work. Oh I've made apps before. You've made apps <laughs> what kind of apps have you made? So many apps. Oh, Mike, yeah? you break markdown like once a week. It's not going to go well for you. You can start writing my show notes. I love you. Thank you. So, so Federico. Federico wrote a thing. He wrote his review. like the All another, of the words. Um, another magnum opus, which I have read. I've read the entire thing. It took me it's four true. days. Uh, luckily, Federico was... I think he knew uh, that I wouldn't read it in time for the show unless he gave it to me in advance and he did and i and (laughs) i've been reading it over a few days mike has been reading for a few days now and And i'm happy to say that i like it and i have lots of i have lots of questions and thoughts you have a follow-up yeah so federico rather Mm -hmm. than like so i i think what be nice this you can tell me if you don't think this will be nice but what i think will be nice is if you give people a very brief overview and tell them why they should read the, the article, and then I should, will ask you my many questions. Should I pitch my article? Pitch the, Give an elevator pitch for your mm-hmm. article. So there, there was no comparison uh, as objective as possible of uh, popular Twitter clients in 2014, uh, so I did one. That's my pitch. It's good. Focusing, I mean, this is something that people don't do. I think even when they're doing these heavy comparisons, even like in the past, is really look at and properly use the, the first party client as well. I think that's, I mean, that's the key for you. Yeah. Is yeah. that you? Yeah, because uh, to that. especially after um, years of um, third party clients, you know, uh, we're talking three years and more of Tweetbot uh, almost exclu- exclusively um, using uh, switching to the Twitter app for iOS, which I ignored <laughs> since 2011. Uh, it was really quite a challenge for me because uh, I know that it's just a Twitter app and I know that it doesn't change the world, it doesn't make the world a better place, whatever. Uh, but still in this software niche that we have, um, using and switching to this kind of app, like like it really, I, I really struggled in the first few weeks. And also when iOS 8 came out, I was kind of, yeah, I want to switch back to Tweetbot and Tweeterific because they have all these features with iOS 8. So it really took some um, dedication for me, not just the writing part or the research and the, for the article, uh, but really just making sure that I, that I could, uh, you know, stick to my, to my mission <laughs> in a way. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it was it was really challenging for me. Uh, I use the I use Twitter more than the the messages app on a daily basis. It's like yeah. the app that I use the most. So switching, it's like when you, when you change your house, you know, it's like everything's different. Oh my god, what what am I doing here? That was uh, the effect that I had for the past few few months. So I would like to to go now and 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 ask you and make my my thoughts about your articles, mm-hmm. my think piece. Your posits. Uh, my posits. So mm-hmm. I think as a whole, like especially if you're going at like 20,000 uh, 20, words, right? Yeah, was, yeah. 20,081. 20, uh, That's what uh, Brett Terpstra's marked says. Very detailed. Um, I can I can see how it took you as long as it did and I can see why it took as long as it did. Um, because you have done an incredible amount of research, and I think that the piece uh, is is only good because you did that. Like if if it wouldn't have been this detailed, it wouldn't have been as good. Like it, it's the, the credit of the piece lies in the research that you did. I think that's that's clear. Thank you, thank you. I I think that um, also if I didn't spend so much time, I wouldn't have uh, had the the conclusion. You know. Yeah, because it's the it's the detail, it's the it's the knowing all the different parts that uh, formed my opinion. That that's really the the most important consequence, I think. Fundamentally, I came away from this uh, wanting to try out the Twitter app more. Like through reading what you have said and the way that you've approached things and the the benefits that you are taking out of the client itself and I'm going to I want to touch on a few of those in a moment I can see why you're doing it and also like this is where Twitter is going and I can't stop it like that was a kind of like a feeling that I had from you whilst reading this it was like well I'm just I'm on this train and there's nothing I can do to change it so I may as well like get on board and just stick with it because Twitter's going this way, and you've been saying this for weeks on the show. Twitter's going this way, whether you like it or not, you just have to do it. And and in, and here, it's reading your your detail and and looking at the way that you've structured things, I can see how you have come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think it need yeah. I needed to read this to see that, mm-hmm. as opposed to on previous weeks. So you, of- you're saying it's a, it's like some kind of a Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> that wasn't what I was saying, but yeah, I guess it maybe <laughs> is like that a little bit. I think that yeah, may, maybe there's a there's an aspect to that of uh, you know I may as well get used to it now rather than later. That was at least my original feeling. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think though that the main reason why I've not yet started using the Twitter app on a daily basis since reading your piece is the timeline sync and the gap detection because it sounds horrific in the way that you describe it, <laughs> and I don't know how you deal with it, and you kind of. The way that you pitched it in the piece was like it takes me time every day to go back and and look for the yeah. look for the tweets, but that doesn't feel like enough to me. How do you <laughs> deal with this every day without yeah. pulling your hair out? Because I've mm, used I, Twitter I, clients like where it's been like that. Like Twitterific is not great at this, and I, when I used Twitterific for a while, um, when I wasn't using Tweet, but I think with uh, iOS eight, uh, it drove me a little bit crazy. So I saw this question coming. Um, so yeah, I, I do spend uh, at least a couple of minutes every day, every morning especially, uh, trying to find my, my position again. And what I what I found is that 
like when I'm when I'm scrolling back, um, so my, my basically my my scrolling of the timeline has become uh, non-linear. So while I'm scrolling back, I find stuff and I follow that stuff immediately without waiting to reach the bottom and then going up again. Does it make any sense? So basically, I'm going all sorts of places. So you're reading in two directions now. You're yeah, reading well, yeah, down I, and back up again. Yeah, basically, when I what, no, I go down, okay. But if I found something, I just I just follow it uh, right away, you know. So yeah, I I guess um, it's just I'm all over the place. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I it's just it takes me like a couple of minutes. And now that I figured out uh, this new way to to load the, the timeline gap, you need to be close to the top of the screen. Uh, it only takes uh, it only takes a couple of seconds. You gotta just tap. Uh, a couple of times. The problem is when the app, for some reason, uh, just completely, um, you know, uh, restarts uh, without uh, restoring your your state, and just it completely loses loses the timeline from is from that, the night before. Is that random? That appears to be random. I don't okay. know if it's a RAM issue. I mean, on the iPad Air two, there's. Uh, there, I, I was guessing that there, there could be enough memory. Uh, it doesn't seem to be the case. I, I'm, I, I don't know why Twitter is is doing this. Um, so yeah, I, I think my my probably because I was forced to um, my my behavior in scrolling back to to the, my to my last position has changed. Uh, but it's 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 not it's not so bad. I mean, I, I'm I'm getting stuff done anyway. I'm I'm you know uh, talking to people and discovering links anyway. So those those couple of minutes maybe uh, will add up over time. Uh, so far, I mean, it's been six months, so I, I think I have enough uh, data <laughs> about me, I guess, to to make a to see like what the, the actual consequence. It's not it's not terrible after so all. In in the article, you kind of you, you go into why you think this it's not important to them. Like Twitter wants you at the top because they want to know what you. Mm-hmm. They want you to know what's happening now. Mm-hmm. not what happened 12 hours ago. So do you think that they're never going to change this then? I don't know, because on the one hand, they do this kind of, let's make sure you always see new tweets uh, stuff. And then they they, they they launch this new search uh, that lets you find any tweet from, from uh, you know, at, at any point during Twitter's history. So they kind of seem seem to be you know, improving in two different places. They they want to let you see new stuff, but they also want to let you find old stuff. So maybe there's a, there's a big picture here. Uh, it's just, you know, so big of a company and so big of an app that it's difficult to... Uh, just just right now, um, I'm, I'm receiving tweets uh, from, from a few people who are seeing new, uh, new features in the Twitter app today. Uh, in the timeline, so <laughs> it's it's a constantly evolving. So that was a big problem for me. Uh, Twitter, because uh, they they're doing sort of like Facebook, they release updates. Uh, they don't do the major update uh, thing on on the App Store, but they don't exactly mention uh, details in the release notes. So sometimes you see the big feature mentioned, like you see we added a new profile design, but other times you you only see bug fixes or improvements. And then you get all these new features out of nowhere. Yeah. So today they seem to be adding some new um, card integration with the timeline, adding uh, buttons in the in directly into tweets without having to open them. So yeah, it's it's um, it was difficult, Mike, to like why are they trying to get me to the top, and then why are they trying to let me find old stuff? 
Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just a little bit of both. Yeah, well, I think, that, cool. I think that app evolution has a lot to do with what we spoke about, Twitter the platform versus Twitter the app. And I, I don't want to rehash all that, but, you know, clearly that there's some vast majority of people that they interact with Twitter only through the app. You know, I mean, they might go to the web, but I would imagine for a lot of people, Twitter is that blue app icon on their phone. And that's all there is. And that's what you know, Twitter is, whatever's behind that that icon. And so for them to change that sort of thing, it's changing the very way that Twitter works for a lot of people. And, and from the outside, you know, it seems like, you know, I jump into the Twitter app every couple of months just kind of see where it is. And it feels like it's crazy town. Like they're, I'll look at it, and three months later, things be you know pretty different. And I think they're that iteration. They're trying to get it where they think it should be, but it's it's definitely much faster than something like Tweetbot or Twitterific that's stuck sort of in legacy Twitter land. I think going back as well, like about the the differences in in Twitter's timeline, and they're not putting things in the release notes because they they do that thing where certain users get certain features and other users don't. Right? They do that testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they probably yeah. they don't unless they're definite about something they probably don't say about it, which is probably I, I why ne- Federica, never... you, when you read re, when you you're getting people contact you who may actually have a slightly different Twitter experience to <laughs> yeah. you anyway, and there's nothing you can do yeah. about it. Yeah, true. Yeah, I didn't I didn't consider that. Uh, I don't seem to ever get this uh, timeline and and uh, various experiments. Uh, I, I think I have a pretty t- traditional uh, version of Twitter for for iOS. It's probably good you don't. Do you like so? I'm going to assume that you think, or at least that will be the case, is that they're never going to change the timeline syncing. But you know, I think I think that surely the more I look through my timeline, the more ads I'm going to see. Right? Is that not a benefit to them? Like if I'm scrolling through know. the entire like last twelve hours, they can put they can show me more ads. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but also if you if you want to scroll back manually, you're just gonna scroll anyway and see the ads. Uh, I don't know. It's it it's strange because it seems like one of those feature features that that a, an iOS engineer would love, you know, to build and to have, just for the sake of the challenge, you know, being able to sync Twitter across clients. Because uh, <laughs> they do race. some of it, right? Like DM. They do DM. They do, um, what else? Uh, um, contacts that you block. Now, now of course, th- those are synced to your account. And uh, they have uh, like a new page on the web with a list of all uh, accounts that you blocked. And uh, they're doing, um, I don't know, I guess some Mac stuff as well. I don't know if, uh, like the state of the Mac app uh, I'm not sure what uh, what improvements there 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 have been on on the Mac because I didn't I didn't check that out. Uh, they do some so yeah they do some sort of syncing, uh, just not you know big stuff like the timeline. So the suggested follower list I always thought was stupid. Like what I see on the web, it's always like three celebrities. It's like pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned it was useful, so I went on on the app and I found some really interesting people there. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. because the list is longer, so there's more chance for them to actually be relevant. Because the list <laughs> on the in the app, it's like it seems to be endless. What's really what's really cool is when you follow someone in in Twitter for iOS, um, I, and I noticed this in Twitter for iPhone. When you follow someone new, um, 
there's a, like an animation that looks like the the old uh, iOS 6 uh, folder animation on the home screen. Uh, there's a, a, like a, bo- a box that opens in, in the app and it gives you more people similar to the one that you just followed. Like the other day, I finally followed uh, Kyle, <laughs> a friend of the show. Kyle's the Grey. Uh, yeah. Did they F- show I don't know why I wasn't following. Like no, he showed wizards. me. I'm pretty sure he showed me. He showed me. Ah, my memory, my memory is going. It's not good. Somebody else you're not following, basically. Yeah, it's like people similar to Kyle, you know? (laughs) Uh, Those kinds of people. Uh, Is there anybody similar to Kyle? Wow. There's There's like a a group of people. There's like a a club of people like Kyle. Yeah. So So yeah, uh, it's a really nice... uh, The suggestions are... are, uh, You're right, Mike. They're they're pretty pretty nice. They, They got better, for sure, as suggestions. So, you know, with the timeline stuff and just some of the other things that you mentioned, I think that I need to start thinking differently about how I use Twitter maybe. Maybe I shouldn't be a completionist. So if I focus on reading everything, then that makes it more difficult for me. Maybe Twitter don't want me to do it this way. Maybe I need to to start getting used to not doing that. Otherwise, I might, you know, they're going to upset me later. Do you you feel this way? Like you should try and just change what you see, like maybe not to be a completionist anymore. I'm just trying to go with the flow, you know. Yeah. Okay. The, I mean, it's it's used uh, because it's uh, it's one of those features. The other stuff that I get is more important than fighting or than being upset for the stuff that I'm not getting. So the compromise is not is not worthy for me anymore. So unfortunately, because I love the feature and because it would save me those couple of minutes every day. Uh, timeline syncing, you know, has to go because it, uh, I need the other stuff. So, yeah. So something that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if I'm, uh, I'm calling you out on this one or not, but I think I might be. So in the, uh, in the article, you talk about using Twitterific on your iPad a lot. Like mm-hmm. a lot more than I expected. You kind of say that you read your lists there. Mm-hmm. Um, you use it for extensions. So obviously, when you find links you're sharing, how much are you actually using the official app? No, no, uh, that's a very simple reason. Uh, it's just because I I had uh, all the different apps installed on my devices uh, on my second screen. I had all the uh, Tweetbot and Twitterific, so I needed to keep the apps installed. And I needed to use them. So of course I was using Twitterific more uh, because of all the stuff that it that it had. Uh, but I, I already set up um, a shortcut in Launch Center Pro um, to make up for the for the lack of a share sheet in in the Twitter app. So yeah, now I'm just basically gonna uninstall the apps that that I was keeping for the article, and I'm gonna just use the Twitter app. So, uh, because I I have I have this shortcut in in Launch Channel Pro, and uh, I will soon have other shortcuts with a with a workflow app, which is coming up this week. So, hmm. so will you share those? I, sh- I assume you're going to write those up. Yeah. Okay. So people yeah. should look out for that. Where can they find this amazing writing? Uh, my uh, MacStories.net. Perfect. Which is my uh, happens to be my website. So Federico, I have more questions for you. Okay. But I want to take a quick break first to thank our third sponsor for this week, and that is Iconic. Let me tell you about this very cool coffee table book. It's all about Apple. The background is that back in 2009, a guy named Jonathan Zufi collected and photographed pretty much every single Apple product ever made and produced this stunning coffee table book. It's called Iconic 
a photographic tribute to Apple innovation. If there was ever a perfect gift for the Apple fan, this is it. 350 beautifully designed pages and hundreds of fantastic photos, basically of every product Apple has ever put out. Every desktop, laptop, iDevice, printer, even the old gaming devices. It's all in here, and I guarantee you're going to see some products that maybe you didn't even know Apple had made. There's an amazing chapter about prototypes, and there's even a chapter about packaging. All of the boxes that came with this amazing technology are in this book. Now, Stephen, I understand that you own and are a fan of this lovely book called Iconic. I am, and it's, you know, self-proclaimed Apple historian. Uh, there's stuff in there that was, you know, sort of vaguely known even to me. It's what's impressive is the depth of this thing that there's some crazy stuff in here that, you know, I'd only heard about or never seen photos of. And, uh, it's really uh, a great gift for anyone who is into that sort of thing. Has it helped you create your list of Macs that you want to purchase? Just all, all of them, really? You just get, I assume that your copy has just got lots of check marks on it as you go in. I bought that one now. No, it's too perfect to write in. Iconic includes a foreword by Steve Wozniak and hundreds of amazing quotes from other Apple pundits. This book comes in a few different versions, including a version in a bookcase that looks like an old Apple floppy drive, and as we discovered last week, and kudos over the ultimate edition that ships in a white clamshell of an embedded glowing standby light that pulses just like the old sleep indicators on the MacBook Pros. It's really something that you should see. So go visit iconicbook.com and take a look right now. You can order the classic edition at Amazon, but if you decide you want the classic plus, special, or ultimate edition, enter the code CONNECTED when you check out for a 10% discount. That's iconicbook.com and promo code CONNECTED. Okie dokie. Um, the Discover tab. Mm-hmm. So the Discover tab is interesting to me uh, because there's always new stuff in there to find, Yeah. right? So yeah. this is something that I didn't really know. Like you just keep refreshing it and it just keeps populating. Yeah, it would just yeah, keep that was going. Really, it was really strange initially. I, like I, I was I was upset because I, I was like, I want to reach the top of this section. Uh, there, there is no top. <laughs> you, you can always get your stuff. Uh, I guess this is what Twitter's going for, right? Because it means that you always have some a reason to be in the app because you keep finding stuff. But yeah. I'm concerned I would get lost forever. Well, after a while, it it, it is the same set of uh, suggestions, just in different order. Like if you keep refreshing 12 times, you're not going to get new suggestions. It's going to be basically a remix of the ones that you saw. <laughs> it's just the concept that there's no stopping to, to the refresh. Right. What that tells me, though, is that you did get lost in it one day, uh, yeah. and you found that out. <laughs> yeah, because I needed to understand. Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, those are actually pretty good. You know, uh, it's a, it's a good mix of um, at least for me because those they say those are tailored suggestions. Um, it's a good mix of, uh, like, I find video game stuff, uh, a lot of funny Twitter jokes uh, because. Uh, uh, I like Twitter for the jokes as well. Um, video games, uh, Apple stuff, of course. Uh, I sim- and I mentioned this in, in the article. I get uh, stuff about uh, football and um, American sports and uh, sometimes um, like sci-fi TV shows, stuff that I'm not interested in. Uh, I can see why t- Twitter wants me to care about that stuff, you know, because hashtags and people talking about TV shows in real time. Um, but overall, it's it is a pretty good set of suggestions. I I started making sure that uh, at least 
you know, twice a day uh, I open the section because I generally find, you know, maybe a link post for, for Mac Stories or maybe a link for, for uh, the Mac Stories Weekly newsletter. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it is useful. It was a nice surprise. So um, I have been thinking about Twitter a lot because we keep talking about it. Um, so much so that <laughs> that uh, I pressured Casey into talking about it on Analog this week. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we were talking about is like following and unfollowing and kind of like the social implications that come with that. Mm-hmm. And there was just a quote in your article that I really liked, which is a much healthier outlook than my solution of permanently muting people. Um, I've realized that of all the things one could feel bad for in this world, unfollowing someone on Twitter shouldn't be one of them for me. Yeah. I, I mean, like it's that. just, this, it's just, you know, I'm, I don't want to, to overthink my, 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 my social networks. You know, it's not like I'm following my mother. Uh, I mean, we, we are all in this, in this space, you know, in this social web space because we're, we are interested into, you know, the links or the tweets that other people publish. And it, it is not personal, you know. Most of the time, uh, it is not personal. Uh, at least for me, I like my real friends. I either talk to them privately on iMessage or I have them on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is it's for me. Like I state many, many times in the in the in the article, it's an information network. I I am there uh, because I want to because I want to find stuff and I'm guessing that I am there because uh, the people who follow me want stuff like links and news and you know the stuff that I write like it's purely based on utility utility for me yeah so it's not really like like I'm not upset at you I'm not mad it's not personally if I unfollow you uh, I'm I don't want to say we're not friends you know that's that's really not the, the the point it's it's about following and being followed like it's right there in the Twitter in the Twitter app. Uh, if you wanna if you want to have friendships, you go to Facebook or you talk to people on Snapchat, whatever. I think in the in the article, maybe the app that you were most critical on from a design perspective was Twitterific, um, because I think it does things different to the other apps, like in in some pretty severe ways. Um, and, I, and I have a theory um, about Twitterific and some of the decisions that they make. And I think it's I think a lot of Twitterific's foibles uh, and some of the interesting choices that they make fall down to their insistence on the unified timeline. So having your your tweets, your mentions, and your DMs all in one view, if you want, because like this, I think it, what it does is it makes them do things fundamentally different and it can in some instances seem like it breaks the app to people that are used to things in a certain way like you really Mm -hmm. pull apart and and do a good job of explaining the interesting and kind of strange way they deal with dms so Mm -hmm. they're not in a threaded conversation right they're kind of they're kind of just like regular tweets but in a different view yeah. So, so the way that you reply, the, the UI that you see when you reply to a mention is the same as when you reply to a tweet. Like you only see the previous yeah. one in the history. Um, and it kind of feels strange to me. Uh, and I know that I used to have quite a lot of DM fails when I used <laughs> Twitterific on iOS. And, and yeah. I think that they do this because they kind of have to pull... I mean, this is this is very layman, and I'm sure like anybody that works at Twitter can just tell me I'm flat out wrong. And I would love the feedback if you do. 
it feels like that they have to kind of load, then they do load like three timelines at once as opposed to one timeline because they're loading a timeline for the reg- the main tweets, mentions and DMs because as well, mm-hmm. their gap detection isn't good, as good, sorry, they don't pull in as many tweets when you do a, a refresh of a gap as well. Have you found mm-hmm. that, Federico? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's been the case generally, yeah. And it feels like that potentially that, that it is the unified timeline that, that holds them back. However, it is a clear defining feature and they actually have users because of that feature, like John Syracuse and Jason Snow. They love it yeah, because, you know. It seems like uh, sometimes the they design features just for the sake of keeping the, the concept of the unified timeline. Yeah. Uh, and for messages, the big problem for me is that today... Every major communication service is using the uh, the style and the layout of a uh, you know the threaded conversation view uh, that popularized I guess by the the Apple Messages app or by IRC chats uh, in in a, in a slightly different way. That's the idea, right? It's new messages at the bottom, and there's a compose field, and when you type, you see the stream of messages above. That's the, the basic idea. Uh, and by by doing away with that concept, it kind of complicates everything uh, because by default you see the stream of conversations, but you can also show an entire conversation. However, you cannot reply into that conversation. It's kind of like a like they want to mix and match uh, two different systems, and it kind of doesn't work in 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 neither of those. My last points um, are. Well, it's about the blue line uh, and what you call external tweets. I'll explain that in a moment. Anybody that hasn't seen it, read it. Although I hope that kind of people have read your article at this point, but it is quite big, so maybe they haven't finished it yet. Um, on principle, I would have shunned these ideas, uh, and I have done, especially the blue line, right? Just like, yeah. I, have, I have no interest in you. Leave me alone. Never come back. It's just so dumb. What are you yeah. doing? Um I feel that way. But when <laughs> when I read what you were saying, again, it's like, I don't know. Do you work for Twitter, by the way? I just want to double check. Like, you don't work for them, right? No. Okay, cool. I really don't. I just want to double check. Because you seem to do a better job explaining it than, than them. Uh, so I've never been sure about it, especially the blue line, right? Moving my tweets around was wrong of you. Like, yeah, show me confusing. them in chronological order. Especially when you say it can be a bit weird sometimes because you see, like, the same tweet, like, five times and you're just scrolling through the same list. But the idea of seeing things in context makes more sense. It's like sometimes, I, I mean, I, I try and read most of my tweets, but I don't read every tweet. And sometimes I see somebody reply to something and I have to swipe into the view to see what they're replying to. Yeah, yeah. but that's that's not... It's not like it's out of your way to swipe over in Tweetbot to see that. No, you know, it's no, because I'm used to it. But in a way, maybe, yeah. I can see how it's nicer to just have it there. I can see how yeah. that's possible to to be a yeah. good thing. It's just, I mean, like I said a couple weeks ago, like it's it's confusing. And even reading your article, it seems inconsistent at times. Like I don't always clearly know why. This conversation got a blue line, but another conversation that appears yeah. similar didn't. And maybe they just need to tighten that down, or maybe it's you know apps not like replying into the thread correctly with the way the URLs work or something. But it in its current state, it feels a little bit broken and and sort of frustrating because it doesn't always do the same thing. Is that is that yeah, fair? Yeah. That's one of the one of the big issues with not just with the blue line with with other features too is that um, 
they seem to be testing them rather than be sure that they want to use them, if that's a... Uh, if that makes any sense, basically it's they're really inconsistent sometimes with features and the design ideas. Um, maybe there's a mot motivation behind the fact that sometimes you get the blue line, other times you don't. Uh, if there is one, it's it's hard to find to find it. Uh, I kind of I kind of see why um, the blue line makes sense for. Uh, I really don't want to say casual users, but I'm gonna say users who are not. Um, experts of Twitter clients, you know, uh, because for us, you know, uh, oh, I know I can swipe on Tweetbot. I know I can use this gesture or I know I can use this shortcut to, to make sure I, I view this tweet in a particular mode with a particular view. But for people who don't write about Twitter clients for a living, um, it is kind of difficult, you know, to, 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 to find uh, a correlation between a new tweet and an old conversation and also for people who come from Facebook, you know, uh, people are used to comments and the original posts above the comment. Uh, being able to see both at the same time uh, starts to make sense after you accept the fact that Twitter, the official app is not as precise or as schematic as Tweetbot or Twitterific because those apps, they, they have a set of design rules and they always, always follow them. The Twitter app is more like a, like a cauldron of ideas. <laughs> and, and you just gotta, you just gotta accept it, man. Because if you try to find, it's like the app store guidelines. Just don't try to find every single rule for every single case. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> a terrible example. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, you just gotta accept it. You just gotta be yeah. like whatever. You know, <laughs> just so, there. Yes. Yeah, so, so maybe we can, maybe we can close out here. Are there things in the Twitter app or in sort of like Twitter's idea of itself that you think are problematic or things that you think they will back away from? Or do you feel looking at all these things that Twitter is, is sure of itself and is marching in a direction with a clearly defined vision? Yeah, there is one. Um, <laughs> And, and that that is the the external tweets, like the tweets that uh, don't come from people you follow, uh, but come from activity of the people you follow. So let's say the Mike follows, I don't know, uh, Scott Forstall. And let's say that Scott Forstall uh, tweets a lot of stuff. He doesn't, that's sad. But let's say that he does. And I don't follow the guy, but Mike does. So on occasion, I see tweets from Scott uh, because Mike either retweet no because retweets because Mike uh, favorites his tweets or just because Mike follows Scott. Uh, so it's activity from people you follow from the tweets that they see, the tweets that they 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 mark as favorite, and I think that can potentially be a problem. Um, only because uh, I like I realized I was thinking okay maybe people don't care about this sort of feature. Maybe it's another, uh, it's one of those things that we Tweetbot and Twitterific users, we hate, uh, but maybe normal people don't. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, this is, I know this is a silly example, uh, but uh, I saw the uh, Zach Braff, the Scrubs guy, uh, the actor, very popular on Twitter. He tweeted, uh, uh, now I'm just assuming that Zach Braff doesn't blog about apps uh, normally. 
So I saw Zach Braff tweeting, uh, "What's up with the with the tweets in my in my Twitter timeline?" So <laughs> if, if normal people, I'm assuming that Zach Braff is not a normal person person because he's a celebrity, you know. But it's just from a from a from a tech reviewer point of view, he's a normal, right? Uh, so if someone like Zach Braff can can see what's up, like can see that there's something strange, uh, maybe if Twitter overdoes, you know. That kind of uh, that kind of uh, policy of showing tweets from other sources, uh, people can get upset, and they need they need to go easy with that. I think like it's cool if you show me like in my experience, I always see this kind of this kind of tweets at night when my timeline is really slow. So Twitter gives me suggestions, and that's cool. I don't want to see 20 external tweets, as I call them. I don't want to see 20 external tweets during an Apple event, <laughs> for right. example. Which is, I, which is back to Mike's point, is they want to keep you in the app. They yeah, keep exactly. You in, in, exactly. Their, in their advertising platform. Yeah, that, that was a general feeling that I got. They want to keep oh, you engaged no. at all times. Cool. Federico, I enjoyed Mike. it very much. I think people you. need to go uh, to Mac Stories and they can they can read it MacStories.net and you will be able to find you can find Teachers Fantastic post there. You can go to our show notes, which are at I will do it this time uh, relay.fm slash connected slash seventeen. You will find the links of everything that we want uh, that you, that we wanted to show you, and you'll find everything you want to read, including a tweet from Zach Braff. If that's what you're up, what you're into, you'll find that too. If you want to find us online, there's a few ways you can do that. I am at imike, i m y k e on Twitter, and I am a podcaster at Really.fm. Of course, you should know this by now. Stephen is at ismh on Twitter, and he writes at five twelve pixelsnet And Federico, of course, is at maxstories.net, and he is at vitici on Twitter, v i t i c c i. If you enjoy the show, please consider rating it on iTunes. We never ask you to do that. It would be nice if you did. I, I would like it anyway. Uh, we have a store, store.relayfm. If you'd like to pick up stickers, t-shirts, it's a great way to do it. It helps support the show. Talking about supporting the show, thanks to our sponsors this week. The great people at Bajango, Harry's and Iconic. We'll be back next time with another episode of your favorite podcast, which is also called Connected. I think we can probably at least win that one. Say goodbye, everybody. Adiós. Adiós.